0: Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators, who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott.
1: Welcome to Improv Interviews. The person I'm going to be speaking with today made the following quote, which I really love, and that is, Improvisation is Zen in Western context. Listen and Observe, Be Aware Mindfully, Be Here and Now,
2: by Bright Sue. Welcome, Bright. Hello, Margo. Happy to see you. Good afternoon. Good morning to you.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to see you, too. And we discovered each other in a script writing improv class, I believe. We became fast friends, because, and he's one of the best friends a person could have. And um, taken some other classes together. And Bright has been a wonderful assistant to some of my work as well. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you and love you. Start off with that. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your background in improv and a little bit about growing up and coming to the, growing up in China and
2: coming to the States. Absolutely. Margot, you're so kind. I appreciate all your compliments. I appreciate the time we spent together. My name is Bright Sue. I am a Bay Area-based import coach, author, and teacher, and I'm doing the lighting and sound in the middle of city in Fremont, California. Also, I am the editor-in-chief for the Applied Improvisation Magazine, a newly published magazine. And I live in the Bay Area since 2012. But let me pause here <laughs> before I dip into more onto my background.
1: Well, let's start a little bit about because you've been in the States for a long time now, but you grew up in China.
2: Uh, yes, I did. I grew up in Guangdong province in South China in a small town. I am the middle child of my, of my parents. I have an older brother and also a younger sister. My dad was a county clerk officer, like in my old memory, and issued marriage certificate to couples. My late mother was a small hotel manager, but primarily I was raised by my grandma. My lovely, lovely grammar, who is very kind and patient. Uh, She meditated, which I didn't know at the time. Also, (laughs) she practiced the visualization, something like that. I spent a whole lot of time with my grammar. She did the the best pan-fried tofu, and that's my best Uh memory from her. Yes, I grew up in a small town in South China in my childhood. Luckily, I was able to see some live performances at the time. I remember there is a 500-seat theater in a small town. There were quite some like Cantonese operas or puppet shows at the time. some some Puppet like- shows! Puppet shows. Uh, yes, or some kind of variety shows like the magic and acrobatic shows, which I loved at the time. That's my childhood memory Yeah, in the 80s, 70s, something like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and were you interested in theater at all at that time? Did you think when you saw people
2: on stage, I might like to do that? No, not at all. I just watched them for fun. I didn't have the theater background. I didn't get any kind of training or something on theater when in the high school or elementary school. And, but I was fascinated by those performances, not until later.
1: (laughs) Later. Now you mentioned that your grandmother practiced meditation. Did she teach you to
2: meditate or was that later in your life? Uh no, she didn't teach me the meditation even at that time. I didn't know what it's all about. She's a very patient person. It's, which I actually wrote the article about her also about a topic. Thank you for sharing my code in partition. It's the Zen in Western context in that kind of you know philosophy. Right. She gave me the inspiration and uh Angle to look into meditation, also improvisation. I wrote about her, one very fond memory at the time, and she was in the living room. I came back from the school, and then I saw her sitting by the corner, sorting out some long, long green beans. She was very patient, and she was focusing attentively on the beans, with a very soft glance, with full attention. She held a long, long green beans and touched each particle inside using her fingers, I measured exactly two inches and cut by her fingers, patiently. At that time, I didn't understand. Grandma, why don't you just use the knife? chop 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 (laughs) (laughs) it's more efficient like you go faster efficient or alpha something like that later on i reflected is her way to practice meditation to be in the moment to feel the texture to feel everything is her way of living
1: yeah, that's a beautiful story. I can picture it as you describe the story. I just love it. It's fantastic. And I think you're a very patient person as well, because you you deal with me and then you need a lot of patience dealing with me sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes being sometimes being the middle child of a family, sometimes you're like, it's a strange position to be in. Sometimes you get left out or I don't know. You know, sometimes the older child is very outgoing and the younger child is the baby, but the middle child, I don't know.
2: Does that make sense? Uh, It does. Luckily, I was in a good hands. I believe I have a normal, relatively happy childhood. My older brother is kind of active. He made a lot of friends. My younger sister is shy. I'm something in the middle. I'm not too shy. I'm not too active. I have some friends in my childhood. So I'm feeling lucky with all my background, my appearance, also my lovely, my dear late grammar. That's
1: beautiful. Do you remember playing as a child? What did you like to do in terms of play when you were maybe before the age of 10 or so? Can you recall any playful experiences you really enjoyed?
2: I just went out to the playground. We had a kind of big yard in the small town. I played with my friends, jumping around at a time. I remember a couple of companies making the wells and they're making kind of concrete structures. I jumped onto those kind of concrete structures by chasing my little friends, singing and touching. Like freeze or tag or something, right. right. Or something like that. We made some silly games. Also, we do the of course you know the uh, rock paper scissors that kind of games. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's great. So, so you went through high school and then you were going to go to college. And
2: where did you go to college? I went to Canton, or by the name Guangzhou in China, for my college in the nineties, which kind of uh, open my mind or my horizon in the big city. In courage, I was able to explore a lot of different things. My major in public health, but culturally I was able to see a lot of US movies at the time.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Uh, either on the big screens or also in the VHS tapes. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> But like if you remember those kind of old technologies, uh, I remember like when one very fond movie is when Harry met Sally. <laughs> a very classic movie, one of the top hundred like cultural significant movies in the US. Also at the time, the big stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Hanks and Julie Roberts, all these big stars at the time. And fifth movie is a uh, Forest Gumps, that's a kind of very kind of deep movie. I love that. So I spent five years in my college. I got my degree. I worked a few years in Canton before I came to the U.S. I came to the U.S. in 01 for my MBA. So I started my U.S. journeys about 21, 22 years ago. I went to University of Tennessee in Knoxville. For my MBA. Yeah. Now was that a
1: big was that a big culture shock going from now? You were in a big city in China at university or college, but coming to the US, was that a bit of a culture shock for you?
2: Uh, absolutely, it is a big shock. And in small town, people a little far away from each other, I didn't have many friends, the culture are so different, also the food is very much different. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel comfortable in the first half a year. Later on, I picked up my uh, classes, pick up some friends, making some hobbies. Then I started to feel more comfortable, which is at a time I was able to get to know about improv. I remember in 2002, in my second year of MBA, I attended the Toastmasters Public Speaking Club, you right. know, probably you know about many friends of our listeners know about Toastmasters, you know, in that meeting and there's a traditional table topics kind of in front of you, kind of speech. Oh, it's very interesting. Like it's no preparation. You just jump onto stage and speak for one or two minutes on a random topic. From there, I know, oh, there's something improv, improvisation. Yes, yes. (laughs) At the time, but I didn't dig into the improv. I just started to know concept or or principle improvisation. I started to watch a whole lot, SNL and whose Nice Is Anyway. So I know, oh, this kind of interesting shows. Fast forward until like 2008, I started to learn improv when I was in Milwaukee in chicago area wow
1: where did you where did you first take an improv class do you remember it
2: i remember i took one in milwaukee communist boss i went there maybe the Yeah, the comedy sports
1: yes we you show me some pictures of you in comedy sports we'll have to put them on the website when we post this
2: <laughs> yes thank you for that and also, I went to Chicago, which is one hour and a half away. I went to Second City, also I.O., and learned more into like a level class. On, in the case, like an 08, 09, 2010, 2011, before I came to the Bay Area in 2012. So that's something I started to explore to learn improv when I was in Milwaukee.
1: That's fantastic. And during that time... When did you meet Patricia uh,
2: Madsen? Uh, That will be a few years later, but let me get to my Bay Area journey. I came here in 2012. Oh. It's about 11 years ago. I studied uh, more on the Common Sports format, the short form, long long form, a little bit as well. So I got a whole lot of training from Common Sports San Jose. Also, I did into some other theaters like Synergy Theater in uh, Bay Area uh-huh. by a very famous teacher, uh, Ken Adams.
1: Yes, I love Ken Adams. He was a guest once. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, he's a great teacher. Performers also are pioneer in improv community. Yes. Uh, to your question, I was think for me to meet Patricia Maxson in person either 2013 or 2017 at the time. I went to Stanford uh, campus to see a show, Three for All, which is very famous kind of long form uh, troupe in Bay Area. I went there to see a show, and I of course I know her about by her book, so I yes. got to know I got to meet her in person. She signed the book for me.
1: Yes, it's a beautiful book.
2: Later on, I kept in touch with her. Also, I attended a couple of her events. In 2019, I became her teaching assistant in her class in Stanford, which is a very rich experience for me to learn from the master teacher and learn how her philosophy, her teaching approach is a very kind of value experience for me. I appreciate that.
1: Now, she's a very warm and giving person. And has a lovely air about her. It's just beautiful. I bet that was a very rich experience
2: for you. So
1: you don't want to go too far in the future, but when did you think you might want to write a
2: book? That was 2013. At that time, I watched a video by Patricia Maxson. She made a speech, very short, like five to six minute speech in AIN conference in San Francisco. Uh Her title is Write, Write, Write. She encouraged people to write a book about improv. It is a short and inspiring speech. The world needs a a whole more improv books. At that time, her book just came out in China, in Chinese edition, 2013, 2014, I believe. Her English original book came out in 2005. The Chinese version came out in 2013 or 2014. So at the time, I had the idea to write a book originally in Chinese language. So I started to collect the materials, the games, also when I took classes. I took a lot of notes. Yes. A lot of papers. Fast forward in 2018, I started to write, put those ideas and games onto the paper, which of course in Chinese. I spent a year and a half finishing writing and then I submitted to the publisher in Beijing in 2019, July, in summertime. So the, mm-hmm. book, the book came out in May 2020. And the name is Jixing Shiju in Chinese. In English, it means Improvisational Theater. It has 432 pages. Uh, I can't talk they <laughs> and night about my book, but, but let me pause here, Margot.
1: Well, of course, I, I haven't been able to read the book, but I have been able to look at the chapter headings and some of the ideas we've talked about that are in the book. I want to ask you, you know, What was happening with improv in China? I mean, you left China in 2001. By the time you got involved in improv here, did you find out there was a community in China that was interested in improv before you even thought about the book?
2: At the time, I knew there was a small community in China at the time. I would think for Chinese improv community, it started about 15 years ago in 508 at that time, some specialists in Beijing, Shanghai started to spread their improv games to host some activities or events, something like that, but more in English setting, which is not widespread in big cities. Later on, maybe 10 years ago, or maybe 12 years ago, the Chinese improv came into being more people explore the Chinese improv like in the Chinese language at the times I pay attention to those when I traveled to China at the time like pretty much I made two or three trips a year to China at the time so I went to Shanghai Beijing Guangzhou Shenzhen visited, got to know some people over there in improv communities I went to see a show as well. Uh, by the way, also I went to Taipei and to see the show Improv Show, which is in early, kind of, they developed improv early in Mandarin, Chinese in 04, I believe at the time. At some point, I was thinking to myself that would be very interesting and beneficial to write a book in Chinese about improv. So that's why I started to collect the materials in 2013, 2014, at the time also I exchanged ideas and got to know people on the ground in China so that I can write a book more kind of tailored to the Chinese audience. I'm glad the book came out in 2020. People love this book. They may highly view in the website, which is a wonderful yes. thing, but also the he, yes.
1: And you've you've taught there when you you know when you go back to China, you teach there as well,
2: don't you? Uh, yes, I did. Whenever I have a chance, I talk over there. Like, I remember in 2017, I talked a 2 days workshop in Beijing. Like 18 people showed up. Uh, my friend helped me to arrange the activity. Also, I went to Shanghai. I talked a few times over there in Guangzhou. I talked by uh, level one, level two to group in Guangzhou. Now they perform in Guangzhou, which is wonderful. They have a beautiful seat over beautiful. there. Yeah. And I know some people in Shenzhen talk over there on the ground in person. Fast forward in 2020, when a pandemic hit, which at the same time my book came out, I was thinking to travel to China, which it didn't materialize. The travel all shut down. I didn't go to China. I transitioned into the online teaching, into Zoom teaching.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And, and you became and um, you became very adept at teaching on Zoom. Not everybody is able to make that transition. I've heard of improv teachers that say, well, they don't want to teach on Zoom. But you've been able to utilize that platform in a beautiful way.
2: Just beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're very kind. As we go, we keep learning. You know, improv is a life journey. It's a life learning journey either in person or online. People keep learning and learning. For me, it is a lifetime practice or learning even a spiritual practice as well. I'm comfortable with technology to run the workshops in zone or similar platform. Also, I find out some approaches we can use to make online more effective.
1: So you've got some specific, specific techniques with some acronyms. For example, a uh, warm-up game factor, VIP. Can you explain to the audience what the VIP warm-up
2: game factor is? Absolutely. VIP is vocal interpersonal physical. VIP. This is the way or an angle I look into a game, an important game. Some games have all three aspects, all three factors. Some don't. But let me explain in detail VIP. Yeah. V is vocal or voice. Some games let you make a sound that's made an airway, such as human verbal sound with meaning, or some strange noises, or dada monologue with no meaning, or gibberish. So we pray with the mouth and twist the tongue, make up a paragraph or even sing a song so that we can warm up our voice, our vocal organs, you know, in our human body. The second is interpersonal. It could be in the personal relationship or interpersonal dynamics in the group, you okay. know, in the improv games, the people, working together as a team. So we maintain the eye contact. Sometimes it could be physical touch or be touched when it is appropriate. Give and take, cooperate to do one thing together. As we know, improv, you know, calls for teamwork to work together. The last factor is physical, moving the body, open the body, control the movement of the body. And some movement could be a little goofy. It could be exaggerated moves. Some could be small physical movement. And, you know, their body and mind are linked together to each other. So when we open the body and then we open the mind, open the heart as well. So VIP, let me give you one example. Like we know our game INR3 right it touches vocal also it touches interpersonal and physical as people come on stage to strike a pose another famous game is story Spy. this is a more of verbal game so it touches a vocal interpersonal to cooperate to make a story but it doesn't move the body much it's not a physical game our famous signature game in improv is Mir. Mirror. mirror is silent game, right? pretty much silent right He has no vocal, but he's so much interpersonal, also physical to follow yes. or be followed by the other person. So you see all three games they have different focus in VIP. Another game I want to mention about is world at a time. Like most people do this game, they do it only vocally, one word at a time, either two people, three people, five people, but they focus only on the vocal aspect. But in fact, this game is better to play in all VIP factors, which is a very typical Key Johnstone game is to be in the personal also should be physical game. Imagine like two people playing this game, one word at a time. When they make a the story at the same time, they add out, they add out the story. It's a physical game. Yes, yes, yes. So this is a good way to touch all VIP. So this is the angle I look into the import games, especially the warp games, in the 15 minutes time, if we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, We select a variety of games so that we cover war or VIP fetters. Great.
1: And there's a wonderful ups you mentioned. I I love I Am a Tree. I love I Am a Tree. I love all the games you mentioned. And I, I think one word story can be people can really block out because they're so concerned with having the right thing said before them or after them because they've got this. Script already. They've play written the whole story, and so that's always a challenge for people who are new at it. And so I, I, I like the idea of being more physical with it and showing more. That's wonderful. I think, yeah. So after we do with the VIP, the warm ups, then we have, and I took a class with you at the AIN, the Applied Improv Network, which is all over the world, thousands of members. And again, kudos to you to being the editor of the recently released edition of First Journal of Applied Improv Network. Thank you. Very, very big accomplishment. and Your articles are in there and uh, some beautiful pieces in there. So, but talking about your facilitation technique, I remember I did a class at AIN with you where you talked about facilitation techniques and the four Ds.
2: Yes, 4D. Thank you for mentioning the technique, and this is something I use. I created 3D later on. I add the 4D as a 4D approach. I can just give you a very quick concept on that. In nutshell, 4D is a four-step approach for import gain facilitation, including debrief technique. The 4D is describe demo do debrief. It is good for their in-person, also good for their online game facilitation. When we follow step by step in the process, the participants are able to follow the instructions easily. It is more engaging. People have more fun. I could run down a little bit into the detail <laughs> how we use
1: let's go into more detail because we're definitely gonna have a second interview. I, I know that now. So why don't you give a little bit more detail about 4D because it's a wonderful teaching example and a tool that I really appreciate. And,
2: th- and that I use now too. Sure, absolutely. The first D is describe describe the game in a few sentences in the following order. We will state the name of the game. If there's any alternative name, also we say that as well. And then use the full sentence to summarize the game for an immaculate perspective. For example, I am a three. Three people join one by one to form a stage picture. And then repeat it one more time, leading the people into the correct singing funnel. Three people join one by one to form a stage picture. So that get people into the right angle, funnel to think about this game. Then from there, we expand the descriptions about this game. It could be like a minute long, something like that. I just use this game to expand, for example, uh, players A, B, C, D, etc. cetera, stand so to form a circle. The first player, A, goes to into the middle, Drives a post and says, I am three. The second prayer B arrives after the picture and says, Who or what he is. For example, I am a squirrel. The third prayer C enters and completes the picture, such as, I am a pine cone on the ground. So now that the picture is completed, prayer A will choose either. B or C, and take the person out. The games continue and continue so forth and so on. So there is a little more detailed description in the case.
1: But but at the beginning, you give a brief description. You don't overload on the words in the beginning.
2: That's correct. The first sentence is important. For example, for the IM3, three people try one by one to form a stage picture is a high level macro summary, right? People, oh, I know this game, I got like 40, 70% idea of this game. Now I spring into more detail, but this only the first step of the facilitation. The second step is demo, demonstration. It's easier to understand than talking. Then yes. descriptions. When we demo, it provides perspective and variety. Also informs potential obstacles out there. So to do that, the teacher can demo by himself or herself, use like two fingers, three fingers, or maybe play a demo video. Or the teacher can invite the TA, teacher assistant, or any volunteers to demo together. People can see how the game actually play out in that case it could take two or three minutes depending on different games the goal is here for the demo is there should be no confusions when people actually go to play so but before we go to the play the step number three and the teacher will ask do you have any questions how to play the game This is a large chance for people to ask question before they go Uh to play. I know for me, like in the past, I I was confused. I saw people confused in the playing when they in the middle of playing the game, they stop and ask question, oh, I lost. I don't know how to play the game, et cetera. (laughs) But this is the time to ask the question for people to get any classification from the teacher. So this is the second step of 4D. Now, let me get to the 3D, which is do. Let's do it.
0: <laughs>
2: uh-huh. It's the official play time, And it should account for the majority of the time. Previous 2Ds serve the 3D. Ideally, the first step describes only about 10% of the time. Demo is 20, 30% of the time and do, print the games to be 60 to 70% of the time. So of course we can arrange into small group or large group, or in the online, we can put people into the breakout room, something like that, so depending on the game, the nature of the game or the how many participants we have. So that's the do part. Now, let me get to the last D, which is debrief. That's another whole different animal. Debrief is very, very important and very, very important for applied import. As people want to know philosophies, the learning behind the game. Debrief, Margo you know very well is these techniques about the multiple approaches on that. Uh, when we don't have much time in the facilitation, we use the simple most simple model. What did you learn? Just one single thing. Now for children, it could. How do you like it? How do you like the game? Right, it's really simple. Right. Like, just like we, when we don't have time, then we just use that kind of simple model. When we have a little more time, we could use, Ralph, reflective model, which is what, so what, now what. Right, right. <laughs> the first, what, what, what happened? The second is so what do you learn now? What will you do? You know, this kind of what, so what and now what? If we have more time, we had do like a little more detailed model, which is a popular CH six phase model, six-depth more elaborate model, which kind of people spend more time on to debriefing. But let me th- type everything like 4D and its approach to facilitate the games. The first D is describe. Second D is demo. The third D is do. The fourth D is debrief.
1: This is a wonderful model. And if we have anybody that's a teacher out there listening or maybe becoming a teacher, these are wonderful tools to use in teaching your classes and really making them effective and having the students not only have fun, but learn something as well. And self discovery is a big part of what improv is as well. You mentioned I mentioned the Applied Improv Network. Maybe you could just speak a little bit about it uh, before we close for today. Share a little bit about what the AIN is and, and tell the audience a little bit more about it, please.
2: AIN is Applied improvisation Network. It is a nonprofit organization focusing on Applied Improv. He has many, many members, hundreds of members around the world in many, many countries. I cannot remember meeting 20, 40 countries around the world. I know you are a part of the AIN network and also many, many are friends in the AI network community. I met a lot of people, a whole lot of people from AI AIN community and published their magazine. This year by the name Applied Improvisation Magazine has a wonderful annual official publication on the emerging and growing field of AI, uh, uh, Applied Improvisation. Uh, The first issue has 68 pages. Paul Jackson, the former president, uh, led the team to create issue one. Now I continue the work. We want to articulate research and promote applied innovation. Yes. Also, we want to aim high, H-I-G-H, human intelligent, generative, and hopeful. In this magazine, we have a few sessions, including AI in education, AI everywhere, bookshelf, perspective in a spotlight, research briefs, watch the heart, Resources. I became the editor in chief for the magazine January 2023 this year. <laughs> I'm very excited, I'm leading a team to create the future magazine issues.
1: It's beautiful. Well, the cover's beautiful. The art's beautiful. And we're going to put a link how people can, if they're not a member of AIN, how they could join or how they could get the magazine, because it's just incredible. And I realize I've been doing applied improv. There's so many of us that are teaching not for folks to go on stage, but to get the other benefits that improv gives us, which are multitudinous. So what a wonderful, they couldn't have gotten a better editor-in-chief because you're conscientious and you're very bright, right? Uh, I know it's just a, a superb uh, magazine and just has beautiful articles and, and the art and the photos as well. So good for you, my friend. So, well, we didn't cover a lot of the things we wanted to talk about today. So I'm hoping you'll be agreeable to do another chat with me, talk more about some of the things like, like improv and spirituality and some of the other influences in your life.
2: Uh, absolutely, we can do that, and I'd love to spend more time with you. You mentioned about the magazine, of course. We welcome all practitioners in AI or in other areas to write articles for the magazine. Yeah. In the magazine, you can see the email out there. Please feel free to reach out to me, also to the people in the magazine. I welcome all readers to reach out for the feedback, also writing articles for the magazine. I love to hear from people and the friends in the AI, also import community. Uh, Marco, you're doing wonderful work, very meaningful work for the community. The import interviews is kind of very, very helpful for people to know each other, to connect each other, to share the best practices. I very much admire you.
1: Oh, you're very kind. Thank you so much. And I just admire you so much. And that's the thing about improv, especially online improv or Zoom, is that I've been able to meet such wonderful people like yourself. So I'm looking forward to our next chat.
2: Yes. Do you want me to share the content or something that people can find me?
1: Oh, we're going to have all of that on the article that accompanies your, um, but you can say it right now as well. But we are going to have all of that on my website with the podcast.
2: Of course, we can put it in a show note as well. To find me, people can go to the website brightimprov.com or follow WeChat official account Bright Improv. Also, you can find me in Facebook by the name Bright Sue or you feel free to email me, brightsue at yahoo.com, Bright brightsue, one word, at yahoo.com. So that's my contact, Margot.
1: Yeah, well, and you're very generous with your time and helping others, and that's what a teacher does. They keep passing it on, and you've been passing it on to many, many people, and we're so grateful for your work, and we'll talk more to you a little bit later on, okay?
2: Yes, let's do that. Thank you so much, Margot. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your kindness and your compassion.
1: Namaste, my friend.
2: Namaste.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.